Hello everybody and welcome to Forever Motorsports. My name is Mark and I'm joined by Reese and this is Formula One Weekly as we do every Monday on the channel. And uh, Reese, how are we doing today? Yes, I'm doing very well. Thank you, Mark. Uh, great to be back in another race week, uh, especially very exciting to have the Melbourne Grand Prix this year. Yes, indeed. Uh, very, very keen to see what happens this week. As I say, I do love the, the phrase very keen, apparently. Uh, it's, it's my new thing that I've, that I've acquired and I don't know why. Uh, but nonetheless, still very excited for the weekend. The third Grand Prix of the season. Still many, many races to go. But already we are seeing such dominance from Red Bull and uh, Aston Martin being the only team that can really compete, apparently, with them. Uh, but we're going to go through all of the various things that have happened in the last week, news-wise. And, uh, of course, we will uh, well, we're going to be very excited to see uh, all the various things that will happen during the week as well in build-up to Melbourne. So, uh, first things first, the bigger news of the lot, and that's the, uh, the, the sort of um, debate and, and rumours going around regarding uh, Domenicali. And he says that he wants to get rid of free practice because the fans don't like it. Your thoughts? Uh, I certainly think uh, it's... a interesting way to to bring viewership up in formula one um i'm sure if we have more action out on track the viewership will certainly increase quite a lot uh, it will certainly attract a lot more people to the tracks as well to watch over a race weekend often the free practices are quite empty at the track yeah i mean in terms of crowd there are very few people that, that attend the free practices and that's that's not only because it's just you know, it's just a bit of driving around, but everything they like. But also because I think a lot of the time people don't necessarily want to waste their weekends. And also, if you go and see the way in which most of the ticket structures are, are, are done for the Grand Prix weekends, you buy a weekend ticket most of the time. Uh, in which case, people think, well, why do I need to bother going to free practice one and two and three? Because I could just go to qualifying in the race, and that's all I really care about. So I think that's the other problem as well, is the fact that they're not necessarily allowing all the people to go to each different sessions maybe i don't know maybe that's the thing that the crowds don't get there for well i mean with regards to like my ticket that i bought uh, for later this year i just got a, a sunday ticket um so normally your free practice session tickets are actually the cheapest because obviously there's not that much action so i think it's also just a way of making more revenue for the actual tracks who obviously put so much money into hosting a race weekend it just makes a lot more appealing for for newer tracks to to want to host formula one yeah so we read the uh, article here and it's, it's one of the many articles here and i'll read it. it's from gpblog.com and i'm just going to go to a new studio uh, here and i'm just going to put up the image here so we're talking about dominicali of course and it says the ceo of formula one stefano dominicali has indicated at this weekend's moto gp that he is not a fan of free practice sessions in formula one he is even talking about abolishing practice sessions altogether uh, dominicali has had notable ideas around free practice sessions before last year he said free practice sessions do not really have a purpose and therefore provide little entertainment the italian therefore came up with the idea of handing out points during free practice sessions that idea caused a stir, but a statement now is even more extreme. He's saying no more practice sessions in Formula 1. The Formula 1 boss waved the finishing flag at the opening MotoGP race this weekend. Afterwards, he made it clear what he thinks of the free practice sessions. According to Domenicali, the workouts are not spectacular enough. The Portuguese channel Sport TV heard, I am in favor of cancelling the practice sessions that are of great benefit to the engineers, but which the public does not like. Uh, under Domenicali's leadership, F1 is always looking for ways to make the sport more attractive. During his era, sprint races were already introduced, 
a different qualifying format was experienced with and something with two qualifying sessions will be tried again in 2023 so that's interesting isn't it that the, the idea of doing like you know different things in, in terms of adding more entertainment during during the race weekend i mean it's it's i think also stefano stefano domenicali trying to to show that he is part of the ownership of formula one at the moment they want to have a say over what happens with uh the racing as well as what happens over a race weekend i mean we saw like in the past bernie eccleston saying that he wanted to to have a, a sprinkler system on the track and just randomly turn it on during a race or race weekend um i mean that's a bit absurd but it's quite i think it's quite appealing to have something different throughout the race weekend i mean we've got the the sprint races that we've had um throughout i think last year and was it the year before as well or just last year? Uh, oh, I actually can't remember right now, but there were definitely sprint races last year, as I say, of course. So um... Yes. I mean, it just makes the race weekend quite a lot more exciting. You've got racing on a on a Friday or on a Saturday. You've got qualifying on a Friday. It's just more to watch throughout the, the weekend. So, so do you think maybe a, a possible way in which people could go about doing the whole Formula One weekend in terms of make it more exciting is that whole concept and does talk about in the article and it's talking about the, the concept of t trying two qualifying sessions again because it was a concept that was tried, um, but you know years ago. But do you think it's something they could try and do again? So instead of having, so you can have weekends where you've got a qualifying on Friday. You've got the sprint race on the Saturday and you've got the main race on the Sunday. And then the other weekends when you don't have the sprint races, you have a qualifying session on Friday and you have a qualifying session on the Saturday. And how those qualifying sessions work is, for me, would you, I mean, what would be ways in which you can make those two qualifying sessions work to to, to sort of make it interesting and, and how would they lead into each other? You know, it sort of would add more interest, I, I suppose, but how would they do it? Well, certainly it could work. I mean, you could maybe make one of the sessions for points uh, for maybe fastest lap or top three. And then you can make the second session, uh, qualifying session, the the session for the the race. Uh, obviously, whatever finishing order that has is the finishing order for the start of the race. Yeah, and you know we talk about points, and I think that's the big thing is the fact that in order for these teams to actually take a session seriously, there needs to be something on the line for them. So the problem is with those practice sessions. There's nothing to gain or to lose other than you know as the the engineers part of it. Uh, for getting understanding with the track and of course for the drivers to get a, around the track of course the drivers will need uh, a practice session to drive around there's no doubt about that they need at least one every weekend just to go around and just get a feel for the track but you know there are, there are certain certain expectations with regards to the audience that they want to see something interesting and to be fair free practice isn't all that interesting so if you had a qualifying session that was for points as you say that would certainly then make all those teams wary of the fact that they need to get their cars out there and get as many points available. Problem is, uh, if you add too many ways of getting points, you're going to start seeing teams maybe favoring certain aspects of the racing weekend rather than the main race. Well, obviously, you always have to make the race count for the most amounts of points. I think it always will. Um, that part of Formula 1, I don't think we will ever see change. But, I mean, if you've got maybe... Let's say for qualifying, you have three points on, on the board. Three for first position, two for second, one for third. I mean, it could possibly in the end make a play for the, for the championship, which could obviously get the teams to take it quite seriously on maybe a Friday or a Saturday. 
But do you think then maybe that the only problem is with the with the pole at second and third, of course, only getting points then, that the smaller teams like Alpha Tauri and Alpha Romeo and those lots were just lost the, 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 the qualifying session and say, well, you know what, we're not going to get anywhere near the points part of this qualifying session. What's the point of us going out? We're just going to basically treat this as a practice. Or do you think maybe they do it the same way that you do a normal qualifying session? That's just an idea I've had now. And you have, for getting into qualifying two, you get a point. For getting into qualifying three, mm. you get another point, And then you have your first, second, and third for those extra points. I think that could be something quite interesting to try and do in the future. So you do have two qualifying sessions, a Friday and Saturday. Yes, and then we could also see that tyre qualifying rule coming into play, um, just meaning that they have to use that entire allocation of tyres throughout that race weekend. Um, you have to use a set of hards in Q1, a set of mediums in Q2, and a set of softs in Q3. Yes, and I think that would certainly favour the Red Bulls, as we've seen how quick they are on those uh, hard tyres. But of course, that was of course the the information with regards to probably the biggest news of the week, the fact that Domenicali is really pushing and uh, sounding like he, he wants to get rid of those practice sessions because at the end of the day most people don't watch them and he's not wrong the the die-hard formula one fans do they go and they want to watch and see and see what happens but the majority of the casual people they, they don't care because they know oh well they'll just look at some stats later in terms of who came where in the in the practice session that will be more or less an indicator of what happens in qualifying they actually only tune in for qualifying and the race so you know I'm not actually all that opposed to the idea of abolishing practice sessions, provided they they do put something else in their place. So we do still have a full race weekend. I think the concept of practice on Friday and then qualifying for points on the Friday, and then a Saturday practice again in the morning and then qualifying in the uh, in the evening or afternoon or whatever it is, and for the race, and then you have your race, of course, on the Sunday. I think that could be something interesting. And then, of course, you have your sprint weekends. I mean, you could always have something very different. You could have um, Friday morning, you could have a qualifying session. Then Friday afternoon, you have sprint race one. Then Saturday, you have a reverse grid sprint race. And then Sunday, obviously, your traditional race. A reverse, a reverse grid race would be epic. They do it in Formula 2. Yes, which I know. Is, that's why Formula I'm 2 or Formula 3, now, it's so exciting to watch. For Formula 1, that would be absolutely brilliant to have. Imagine having the likes of uh, Magnussen and Sonoda starting on the front of the grid and having to fend off from the likes of Charlotte Leclerc, Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. I think it's a great, great idea. And Max Verstappen having to go through the whole pack. You know, it's it would be something I so I mean, he fun. does it quite often. So, I mean, he's got quite a lot of experience in it. Yes. And I but think... it would be quite exciting to see, like, the likes of Charlotte Leclerc, uh, Carlos Sainz, Sergio Perez also having to fight through the pack and yeah. seeing how they fare as well. But the only problem is, of course, adding more and more sprint races and those sort of and, and those sort of likes that you do risk the idea of crashes uh, over the weekend and will just increase costs for all of those teams uh, the more sprint races they have. However, sprint races are very exciting and it's a really great addition to Formula 1 and I think it's something we're going to see a lot more of. So I think they'll have to allocate the budgets accordingly and you know maybe you'll see two versions of the same car being, being made for either team so that... Uh, for each driver so that you know, they've got a replacement car should something go wrong on the same weekend multiple times you know these are things we can talk well, about all you never things. know if they you never know if they are able to bring the cost down of creating these cars then of course they can look at things like having a reserve car or a yeah backup car it was a thing in the past of course when budget wasn't a thing um but yes it's well there's certainly a lot of uh possibilities for the future of formula one
Yes. And uh, of course, yeah, that's something we can debate and we can talk about going into seasons further. And I'm really looking forward to hopefully the idea of changing up these race weekends just a little bit, just to see uh, what we can do to get even more fans watching, which is, of course, what we want to do. We move on to our next topic, that of uh, Max Verstappen. And I don't know if you've seen this, Reese, but it was quite interesting. I, I had a good laugh at this. Uh, with regards to him, him starting a clothing brand. Uh, and Verstappen was trying yes. to start a clothing brand. And Nike have come forward and blocked him from doing it. And uh, I've read an article. Max One, here. isn't it? Yes. It's the, the Max One mm. uh, the Max One clothing brand. And uh, I read this article here. And it goes, it says, Max Verstappen's hopes of launching Max One have taken a hit after a sportswear giant stepped in to block it. Formula One world champion Max Verstappen's hopes of launching his own clothing brand have taken a hit after sportswear giant Nike raised trademark infringement concerns. The two-time champion had hoped to reach Max One at launch Max One. Uh, to sell Apple um, apparel, uh, but Nike lodged a complaint with the Benelux uh, office for the intellectual property based in the Netherlands issuing a report. The basis for Nike's concerns around the trademark infringement stems from the similarity in name between Verstappen's Max One and the company's Air Max shoes. And I think that's quite rich, if I'm honest, from Nike. You know, it's just a way of basically saying, ah, we don't want people to go and buy some more sports clothing, don't you think? Well, yes, unfortunately, it is quite disappointing. But of course, Nike are such a big brand and they obviously have Nike Air Max One shoes as well. They quite literally have, I'm looking at it now, they have a shoe called Max Air One. So they probably uh, own that trademark across everything, unfortunately. So it's difficult. But I mean, Max could always use Max 33 as a brand name. I think, do you not think though that the problem that they've got is is not so much the wine part of it, but the Max Possibly, but I, I think when your name is Max, you kind of are allowed to use it's, your own name. But, but this is this is the issue I have with Nike here, is the fact that, you know, the only claim they've got is the fact that the Max is in the same name. It's Max Air and Max One. Now, mm. you, you can't, I'm sorry, there are certain things that you can't, if it was the exact same name, sure, but it's not, you know, it's, it's the same concept as you've got all these companies that do have very similar names and... Um, and they do have other things in in their name that that everybody else has. You can't just claim ownership of a singular word. There's no way well, to we'll do that unless to... you create the word. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have to see if uh, Max Verstappen and his legal team obviously go up against Nike. Obviously, it's going to cost them a lot in lawyers' fees and obviously going to court and all of that. It's going to take some time if he wants to get that up and running. And uh, we, we read the, further in the article, and it does have the Verstappen versus Nike uh, case. And it says, in December 2021, shortly before he claimed his first world title, the Verstappen camp lodged a trademark application with the BI, uh, BOIP for Max One. Uh, however, in February 2022, Nike lodged their trademark infringement case, believing confusion could arise in the general public between Max One and their own Air Max, given both would be competitors in the clothing sector. Uh, in February 2023, the BOIP ruled in favor of Nike, agreeing with their case that Max One infringed on the trademark, trademark of Air Max owing to their similar names. However, for Verstappen and Max One, the brand name has been approved by the BOIP for classes 35 and 41. I don't know what that is. Uh, there you go. These are advertising, business management, business administration, administrative services, and education, training, ed entertainment, sporting, and cultural activities, respectively. As Nike was successful... But not making clothes. Basically, as Nike yeah. was successful in their case, the Verstappen camp are also liable for 1,045 euros in the US company's legal fees. Really not the 
biggest um not that much no you know, really not that 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 high a, a piece of thing so disappointment i suppose for max because he obviously clearly started this very early i mean t- december 2021 that's more than a year and a bit ago um so disappointment that basically this entire concept of his clothing brand is going to come up short uh because of nike so sorry max yes we seem to have lost and, mark uh, yeah, there unfortunately the but i'm sure we will get close to home uh, very soon upsetting uh, oh, sorry i think we've lost reese temporarily um, um sound but yes also just looking oh, at some articles here uh mercedes just saying how they have been opening up on the troublesome w14 um there's a lot of rumors going around about a w14b spec coming into play very soon um just a lot of money obviously going into developing that car at the moment Mercedes technical director Mike Elliott saying, uh, sharing some details about the car. Uh, just saying, following a roller coaster with the W13 in 2022, Mercedes have experienced uh, another tricky start with their new challenger. As we now have Mark back, I can hear Link in the background. Yes, sorry, I don't Mark know on. quite what happened there. Um, I think my, my head just lost your just, audio there for a bit. Think, yeah, my headphones just decided to, to, to break off there. I lost your sound, but nonetheless, I am back. And so you, you were just saying. Yes, we were just talking a bit about uh, Mercedes with their W14 and their woes. Uh, just saying, following a roller coaster start with uh, of the season in 2022, Mercedes have experienced another tricky start this year uh, with their challenger in Bahrain and Saudi Arabia. Uh, just looking at some quotes from their technical director saying, we are looking at in the simulation, targeting the right things and pushing the aerodynamics in the right direction, looking at the mechanical setup of the car, um, asking are there things that are missing and what else they can do uh, to make the car add better performance just still not necessarily getting to the basis of that car not being able to extract that raw performance possibly they are going to have to go to that b-spec car now and just go with the design of the rest of the grid and get uh, side pods on that car now rather than trying to get that uh, that concept to work and surely they need to do this like pretty much this weekend i mean what is the point of persisting with their old car at this point in time um, yes, they're just wasting time that they could be spending developing their car that actually competes uh, better. Yeah, well, yeah. we hope it would compete better. Or maybe that B-spec car is so underdeveloped compared to the first one because they tried so hard to make it work that uh, it's not actually nearly as quick as it should be. Yes, um, I mean, if they're able to... Well, if they started with a new design this year at the beginning of the season they would have already been able to develop it by saudi arabia and further into melbourne um but they're just really falling on the back foot further and further yes. i mean obviously being able to take the fight last weekend to the ferraris or not not last weekend the weekend before but um, they were able to beat them that's already a bit of a step up but not necessarily meaning that their car is able to compete with the Aston Martins and the Red Bulls just yet. No, not at all. So still lots of woes uh, for Mercedes. And uh, sorry, I, I was going to go to a completely different topic, and I hope you don't mind if I do do go back no, to no it. No, no problem. And, uh, I, I kind I, of just had to fill yeah, in there no, while you were sorting I, I, out your headphones. I do thank you very much for that. 
and uh, and and I'm gonna go back to to something a bit more close to home. And and if you are South African, you'll you'll understand this. But most Formula One fans will remember, of course, uh, the South African Grand Prix that that took place in Kailami. And we are gonna be very this upset makes me about very this. Sad. Yes. yes. And uh, and unfortunately, everyone in South Africa, and I'm not sure if everybody else overseas understands this, but everybody in South Africa was very confused as to why Formula One didn't get added to the calendar for at least even next year. And it's all been revealed now finally as to because it came, came so close we had the f1 bosses all come out to south africa they went around the track they had the whole deals in place they had everything understanding it was going to be that you know kailami has been remade well you know they've, they've they've edited it and porsche have have bought it as i say and and got a large stake in it to to really try and bring formula one back into the country and everyone was so keen to see what happens with the Kyle Army Grand Prix. And then, essentially, we finally find out why nothing ever went further. And it's basically greed, unfortunately. Yes, uh, very sad, of course. I was certainly very excited to have Kyle Army back on the track after so many years, um, but certainly is, uh, unfortunately, down to greed. Yeah, and uh, we've got an article here, uh, a South African article nonetheless, that'll explain exactly why and what happened with regards to it. It says, why did the F1 stop South African Grand Prix uh, returning? And uh, we've got South Africa's only Formula One world champion, Jody Schechter, has slammed the owners of Kyle Army, whom he blames for blowing a chance to see the sport uh, Grand Prix, uh, sports Grand Prix return. The South African Grand Prix was torpedoed by greed. Schechter says that the deal was just about done to bring F1 back to Kyle Army, but last minute demands by the owner of Kyle Army angered the sports bosses and saw government support for the bid evaporate. Uh, the former Elite Series champion had been close to the process thanks to the involvement of his nephew. A frustrated Schechter um, shared that it was greed that saw South Africa lose out on the return of Grand Prix racing. And he says, I was an inside part of it, Schechter told. Uh, my nephew worked on it for six years. It was that close. The guy from Kalami went from 500,000 to 2 million and he wanted to take the whole thing over. F1 came over to sign. He had government backing, some of the wealthiest people in South Africa behind it. Everything was in place and the guy from Kalami got greedy. Just as soon as F1 left, he changed the whole thing completely. The government realized there was a fight uh, and withdrew and that was the end. Maybe it will happen back here again. I don't know. I mean, yeah. Oh, very disappointing. I mean, obviously, so many fans uh, out there would certainly love to have Kyle Army back on the calendar, but it's something that happens in this country. It's something that happens all over the world. Um, but, yeah, really sad not to have Kyle Army on the calendar once again. Yeah, and uh, going further on that, and it's, and it's really quite upsetting, and uh, Schechter goes on to say that his nephew, Warren, was left without to sh uh, without with nothing to show for his efforts. And he said, my nephew had been working on it for six years, nearly full-time, explained Schechter. Because going through the government and getting their support and for them all to agree to put some budgeted uh, in and then to secure the money, it was a massive amount of effort. All of a sudden, it was over and he was left with nothing. So, uh, yeah, really, really disappointing. Yeah, no, I don't think you can really uh try and pull a fast one on the the formula one bosses i think they they know a bit better than that they're no. not going to to play play games really they're just going to leave if you if you try mess them around and uh, at the end of the day it wasn't actually the formula one bosses who necessarily stopped the whole process but it was i mean don't get me wrong they were they were certainly going back to uh 
to Kyle Army there and saying, well, you know, we need to find out what's happened, why we're why we doing this. And the problem is they were going ongoing. And uh, a lot of this relied on support and backing financially and, uh, of course, legally to get the Grand Prix here. And a lot of that coming with the government. And uh, most of it seems to have all fizzled out because the South African government realized that there was not, uh, it was not all 100% transparent, which is ironic. Uh, and they and they decided to pull out. So uh, that's one of the main reasons the government backing is, is no longer there. No, of course, that's a big uh, aspect of why it didn't happen. You definitely need to have the government involved in such a big event like uh, Formula One and Kyle Army. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's really, really upsetting about Kyle Army. But, uh, you know, I still hold thumbs and fingers and things and hopefully we'll have Slav can go on pre back again soon. And quite frankly, at this point in time, I don't care if it's in Kyle Army or if it's in Cape Town. But let's just have an SA Grand Prix. I could not wait to go and attend such a such a auspicious event. It would be the most epic thing on the planet. And I promise you right now, it would be the best Grand Prix on the calendar. Regardless of how good the racing is, it would be the best Grand Prix on the calendar. You will never see support like you would for Formula One in this country. I was certainly excited for the Kyle Army Grand Prix. Um, as in the past, we've certainly seen how they can have such dynamic... Uh, weather conditions that can go from dry to raining in a matter of half an hour it's it's always very exciting to watch certainly was very exciting during the 24 hours of Kyle Army last year as well as this year and uh, that's why I think actually funny enough uh, if we did move away from Kyle Army all the way down to Cape Town that would make it even more of a a a, a thing because you know Cape Town's weather just changes six times a day uh, and that would make it absolutely I certainly very I, I think the cars would battle a bit in cape town with the the wind but mm. it would be very interesting to see they obviously race in other um seas well close to other shores uh like in saudi arabia and azerbaijan and of course we've had the epri now in cape town so clearly it's not too bad uh it's of course just making sure that we're not at around the middle of the year where we start to get that cape doctor wind and the whole uh there's there's really really bad winds in cape town but uh we should schedule it appropriately, but I think maybe that's maybe the next step South Africa needs to take to try and get a Grand Prix back here. Uh, if Formula One's boss, uh, Formula One's Kyle Army guy is going to be uh, completely useless, let's send it down to Cape Town. Let's let's have it down there. Yes, um, it would certainly be nice to at least have a South African Grand Prix on the calendar. Yeah, and uh, going to me to a last little thing, and it's uh, it's not all that much news because let's be honest, we all sort of knew it. But uh, uh, it is it is a recent article that we will go through, and it's literally posted today uh, from the official F1 site, and it goes and says uh, Christian Horner has ruled out making a bold move to sign Lewis Hamilton with the Red Bull team, by stating that he can't see where he would be able to accommodate the seventh time world champion. Quite a bit of a bold statement, actually. At the same time, though, you know, basically saying. I don't see a space for him in our team, meaning that he doesn't think he's going to be a better driver than the two he's got. You know, seven-time world champion. Well, I think he's Lewis is quite a big personality. I mean, Red Bull have built their entire team around Max at the moment. We've certainly seen that in the team dynamics. I, I don't think Lewis Hamilton would fit into into their working environment, being so built around Max at the moment. No. Um, no, and really. uh, and 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 being such heavy competitors, but nonetheless, it's it's quite of a it's a bit of a it's almost like he took a dig. He decided to take a dig because um, we know what we mean. He know we we know he means well in terms of I'm saying this basically saying yes. there's no real space for this team because there's no ways that Max and him would get along, and also 
like he would be second fiddle and that wouldn't suit Lewis, etc. But it's almost like he's taken a little bit of a dig and said, um, uh, you know, we've actually got a better couple of drivers, you know, maybe, you know, we, we our team doesn't have space for him, basically saying, you know, the team is very much good enough. We don't need Lewis Hamilton at all. And, uh, you know, if I just go and read on in the article, it goes and says, and asking an appearance on Sky News about Mercedes boss Toto Wolff saying he would have no grudge if Hamilton looked elsewhere should they be able to, be unable to provide him with a competitive car in the next couple of years. Horner gave a very clear response. And he said, look, I think what Lewis has achieved in Formula 1 is second to none. But we're very happy with the drivers that we have. We're committed as a pair for not only this season, but the se next season as well, said Horner. I can't see where we would be able to accommodate Lewis, but I'm sure they are, that's being Mercedes, are going to sort their issues out and we're certainly not biting him off just yet. Uh, as Warner touched on, Mercedes are going through a car concept change in a bit to get back to winning ways with Wolf joking that Red Bull can put a little sticker on the revised W14 if it ends up resembling their design. <laughs> so clearly Toto Wolf also basically saying that he's not actually going to have too much shame if they're going basically copy Red Bull's design to go and uh, get back to competitive means. So uh, interesting that as well, of course. Corner basically saying whatever it means that we need to do to, to get ourselves back into winning ways we will do and if that means copying Red Bull so be it well I certainly think they need to do whatever they can right now to get uh, in the mix for the front Ferrari seems to be dropping the ball a little bit um, so it looks like it's all to play for if you can match the Red Bulls right now and uh, you, know, you touch on Ferrari then, I just pretty much want to, want to end off the stream with, with, with regards to Ferrari, is the fact that we're going into Good the third, <laughs> we're going into the third, um, third uh, weekend, or third racing weekend of the, of the season, of course. And um, Ferrari were dubbed to be like the ones challenging Red Bull before the season started. There was a lot of talk about Aston Martin, don't get me wrong. But Ferrari were like, they said, oh, we're going to fix Ferrari's problem, we've got new boss here the strategy is going to change we're going to fix all the reliability whereas ferrari are going to challenge red bull this season and then the first two weekends have happened yes <laughs> um are we surprised though mm. yeah that's the problem i think we've got so <laughs> I used to you it can ever really yes ferrari are always such a big talk i mean i i'm a big ferrari fan of course i'd love to see them doing well and competing and well challenging for the front right now but I don't seem to see what the issue is with their car. They were so competitive last year. Mm. They, they haven't really made any gains over the winter. No, and I mean, especially in these early races, that was when everybody was still hyping up Ferrari, saying, oh, Ferrari really got a really good car here. And it just doesn't seem to be working as well this season. I don't know what it is, but they certainly really need to sort out their woes this weekend because if they don't rock up this weekend, that's pretty much their season already not quite done, but certainly going to be put themselves so far back on the foot that they've got so much work to do. And uh, yeah, all to all to race for, of course, in Melbourne this weekend. And I think it's the last weekend we can see whether or not teams are going to finally fix their issues. And then after that, you're going to see a more planned idea in terms of where we're going to expect to find people. You know, Aston Martin had a couple of uh, issues last weekend with regards to Lance Stroll, um, not, not able to finish that race. And uh, Ferrari, of course, having woes in Saudi Arabia, not finishing high up. And in Bahrain, Charles Leclerc didn't finish. Uh, Mercedes had a shocking first race. Uh, not a great, but all right race in the second one. Red Bull, the only ones who have been uh, quite quite competitive right at the top there. And Alonso, only one really trying to compete as well. So lots of work for all the teams to do. But I think this is the last weekend we can basically see what's going to happen. 
Yes, I certainly think Melbourne is a bit of an indicator track. I mean, it's a bit more technical than Bahrain as well as um, Saudi Arabia. It's not as high speed intense. Uh, you've got obviously some long straights, but they're shorter, uh, broken up by chicanes, so that you actually have to be able to have a bit more downforce on that car. We'll certainly see if some of those other teams are able to be a bit more competitive in those tight, uh, tighter corners in on a track that's not so uh, dependent on top speed. Yeah, and of course, you know, Melbourne has got those very fast chicanes that you come from those straights where you've got to really hit on the brakes, but uh, you don't come down to a dead stop. You just do have to have some seriously good downforce to get around as quickly as possible because they are able to be hit at relatively high uh, speeds. But yeah, it's a very good track to see where these cars are at. And I think we'll get a good understanding of uh, what the advantages are of each constructor. Yes, for sure. I mean, the true test is those 90 degree corners. I mean, turn one, uh, turn, I think, 11 or so. Uh, and and that's final corners, end as yeah. well. Yes, it's certainly very technical over there. So you need to have that downforce uh, to be able to control the car in those sectors and keep it very nice and tidy and, uh, well, get the speed up really. Though. Yeah, indeed. And uh, that is, of course, the news from the week one, Formula One Weekly on Forever Motorsports on Forever Sports. So many different things we've got to go and speak about. And of course, it's all in anticipation of this weekend's Grand Prix in Australia, Melbourne, Australia. It's going to be very, very early to start. But nonetheless, me and Reese and the team will be covering the weekend as best we can. We will include, of course, the Formula 2 and Formula 3 uh, action as well. So be sure to subscribe to the channel, like the videos. And uh, Reese, thank you very much for being here this evening. Thank you for having me. And uh, thank you guys all for watching so much. Again, be sure to like and subscribe. It's been Mark. It's been Reese. Thank you so much for watching. And bye-bye. Uh,